Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne that we could find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And Lord, we're so reminded that Jesus came to meet every single need that we have. That is the purpose, one of the purposes of his coming. And so we thank you for that. And we bless you. We receive it, Lord. We receive the Savior. We receive the healer. We receive the soon coming king and our deliverer. And we thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So I just want to remind us of our special for the month of December. It's our master prayer manual. This edition, it's the red one, (laughs) the red and the black one. But uh, it is a complete, uh, this prayer manual was completed really about two months after we started with a few additions here and there. It was a complete uh, manual when God gave it to me, and I'm very thankful for that. I cannot take credit for, I didn't compose it, write it, make it up, anything like that. I just wrote what he gave me, and so we've been using it ever since. But this is $8, uh, plus you pay the shipping, but as you buy more, the shipping kind of decreases, so you can wind up. And we take the price down some, I think it's 2 for 15 and I don't know, all the way up to 6 I think you can get around 6 of them, I think, for around 30 like five for thirty-five. Thank you very much, Miss Vicky. Five of them for thirty-five dollars, and then the shipping in there is still only maybe like eight bucks or so. I'm not sure what it is, but you save on the shipping the more of them you get. Uh, if you have a small prayer group or large one, uh, or you have people that pray, I know people always feel like when they're already praying, they feel they know how to pray. But I still study prayer. I've always studied prayer, even though we felt like we had a complete, uh, this is what God gave us to pray. So we don't try to vary it up, but you can always add to it. You can always uh, modify some of it uh, the way you want it to be once you get revelation, perhaps, on something that's that's an addition to what you already have. So I don't feel like anybody's, you know, beyond, uh, you know, challenging their their uh knowledge and and what they know we we're always learning uh, as long as we live we will be learning and so once you stop learning you kind of stop living in a way uh, I think you know learning makes life so much more enjoyable so we're real thankful for that so but anyway that's our master prayer manual uh, making known the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God prayers that avail much more uh, they avail much more because we address higher levels of spiritual authority so that we can uh, keep the strong man bound and keep him away from the works of God so that we can have pure works. You know, sometimes you uh, you don't put the devil in check and, and you wonder why things just don't work out well. And you've got authority. You've got to use keys that God's given you. You know, everybody has authority. If you can say yes to to most things you can say no to the enemy and so it's just a matter of your will and saying yes or no but you've got to understand you have the authority to do that and then expand God's kingdom so it's a little bit different flow uh, than what we're used to about prayer and and this kind of prayer can affect a city it can change a city uh, this is what we endeavor to do we we want to change things for the better for all humanity. You don't just want to get your little bills paid 
and your little Christmas gift checked off. You want to make a difference for God in his kingdom, and this is how you do it. And so uh, we're we're very, very thankful that God gave this to us, and uh, we encourage people to, to get a copy of it and use it. You know, I know over the years people would tell me, I finally took out my prayer manual, and I thought to myself, who is this person standing in front of me? Well, you hadn't seen them in five years, and they bought the prayer manual five years ago i said well better better five years later than never so but uh it's always good when you understand god will put tools in our hands so that we can be effective for him and for a better life for ourselves so that's our special for the month of december you can go online and get it ministry of the com. you can also download our app uh many ways you can you hit the uh you can go on there and i think on the initial page you'll find it so uh, find this uh, offer on there so praise god um amen so uh, we're going to talk today about the fact that his blood speaks mercy amen his blood speaks mercy and uh, we we need to understand the role of mercy in our everyday lives so that we can can um, get a true picture of who we are and uh uh, I think mercy kind of takes the pressure off of us to be perfect, takes the pressure off of us to um, think we have to perform in order to please God, that there are certain things that we have to do or we can't do certain things or God won't bless us. And, uh, and, and this is true to a degree, but there is so much mercy in God. Uh, when you can't do the right thing or you don't do the right thing, there's the blood. Amen. That takes care of that for you. It's been shed for all humanity. Uh, and every, every human being that's born has an opportunity to be saved. Amen. Uh, just, just hearing the gospel is, is the open door that you need. You have to hear the truth in order to know what the truth is. And the truth is that Jesus died for the sins of the world. He so loved the world. Uh, that he gave his life for us. And this is so important for us to understand. It just, it just is. It's the center of everything that is good for us in our lives. So, uh, we, we really need to, to focus in on that. Focus in on the fact that, that God wants us, uh, to receive of his mercy. I mean, just always receive of it. Uh, it, it mercy is no good if we don't take advantage of it. Amen. And when I say take advantage, that means just receive what it was made for. And that is to help us in our lives, to bless our lives, to keep us open to the goodness of God, keep us open to good things happening to us, keep us open to the wonders of what God has for us in this life. So uh, it, it's, it's just a good thing to, to know that. So um, why don't we turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll go there first and then we'll come back to our scripture, um, scripture that uh, another scripture that we need to focus on. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I love this book because it is very detailed in explaining the legal uh, rights that we have or the legal aspects of the covenant we have with God. Uh, the Bible really is a law book. It's a legal document. And it's binding on both our parts and on God's part. Uh, once you receive Christ, you say no to the world, period. This 
going back to the world and saying, I can't help myself and I can't quit doing this and I can't quit doing that uh, is just not true. God has given us a remedy for all sin and all uh, behaviors that are detrimental to us. Amen. Uh, There are some behaviors that are more detrimental than others. Uh, We need to walk with God and and understand what he's working on when uh, and, and, you know, how to uh, rescue ourselves as far as we can from temptation. Uh, Most of us know that if we go back to uh, the, the same friends, if, you know, God pulled you out of a drug life and, you know, a very, very uh, uh, sinful life. Uh, of course, everybody sin and falling short of his glory, but some sins uh, hinder you or more powerful in a person's life than others. Uh, for instance, if you, you've been a person that's been taking drugs, there's a certain uh, mental predisposition. Uh, certain people think certain ways and makes them more prone uh, to want to give up and just go clock out get high or get drunk or something like that. And so we we as believers, once you understand, you know, hey, I can't hang around those people I used to hang around with. God will put a separation between you and them. You don't have to uh, look at them like they're no good or, or they're the worst people in the world now that you're you're saved, but but you you can't keep company with them either the way you used to. And so your part is to say no, you know, to the invitations and, and say no to your flesh when you sit around and start thinking about the good old days that, that he rescued you from. Uh, that's our part to do. Uh, but God does give us the determination. He gives you the strength. He gives you the, the ability to decide to say no to certain things. And then he gives you, once you say no, he steps in with his strength. And he allows you to make that no enforced, amen. You enforce that no based on what he's he's enabling you to do. And then after a while, you'll see that, boy, I haven't done that, and I don't know when. And, and then you look back, and it's been three years, four years, five years, ten years. And you realize that, you know what, I really have overcome that. I really have. And it doesn't mean that you go back and tempt yourself. You know how some people want to prove that they're, they're strong and they just, you don't go proving yourself nothing because you might be in a, for a big shot. Amen. <laughs> we find out we're not the hot shot we thought we were sometimes. We start doing stuff like that. That's tempting the Lord. Amen. And that, that's not what we're to do, but we're to walk on with God. And, and if he, if he gives you an open door to talk to some people that you used to party with or you used to, uh, you know, kick it with or whatever, uh, he'll open that door. But that's not for you to, to go and do that on your own. Uh, I was remembering a, uh, young woman, um, uh, had heard her testimony. Uh, she had gone away to college and, and, uh, was involved in a, a campus youth group that witnessed and, and, this young woman had won so many people to the Lord. I mean, she was totally on fire for God. And one day she just wasn't showing up for the prayer anymore and wasn't showing up for this and that. And, and pretty soon she was back in the world again, doing what worldly people do. And 
And so uh, someone asked her after she repented and came back to the Lord. And she said, yeah, I realized I got too comfortable with the element that God had delivered me from. Amen. Started to get comfortable with people. And see, this is, this is, this is not being led by God. See, the, the, uh, opportunity to get comfortable comes when you don't let God lead you. When you know better than He does. And see, what happens many times is people get caught up in the world of, of, um, uh, testimony and people pat you on the back for your testimony. You start living for the pat on the back. And think that testimony sets you apart as somebody unique and hey, everybody's got a testimony. Yeah. And it'll, it'll win some people over. Amen. When, when it's, when it's, uh, delivered the proper way. You know, Jesus told many people, don't go tell anybody you got a miracle, but don't you tell a soul what I just did. Amen. And so <laughs> your testimony belongs to God. It's not yours. Amen. It's, is his so that he can use it as he wants. And so, uh, you know, we, we learn these things. We learn how to walk with the Lord. We learn how to resist temptation. And so the Bible even tells us, uh, that, that there is no temptation, uh, that's come upon anybody, but such as is common to man. These are common things. You're not extraordinary. He says, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but with every temptation that he allows in your life, he gives you a way to escape so that you can bear it. You see what I'm saying? So so he's still in control of where we go and what we do. He still won't let us get back in the pigsty again once we've been cleaned up. And so it's a it's a blessed thing to know that God has that much power and that much control in our lives. Even though we feel the freedom, you know, we feel total freedom, but we, we don't, some things don't even run across our minds anymore. And that's such a good thing. That's such a good feeling to not even have that thought anymore. Amen. And so that's why, and this is the way God wants us to live. And, and it's his mercy that allows us to live this way. It's not, you know, where you, you get strong and you know, I've been in the word and, you know, you get real strong when you're in the Word. Yeah, for that, that season or that time, but you still got a devil out there that if he had his way, you wouldn't even make it home every day. In fact, you wouldn't make it out of your bed without collapsing if he had his way. And so there's a lot to be said for God's mercy that covers us and helps us. So in Hebrews chapter 12, let us see. I want to go over to... Verse 20. Uh, yeah, it, it, here the Apostle Paul is, well, we, I say Paul, sounds like him, but really nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. But it, it sounds like him, and then you think to yourself, mm, it might be somebody else that we don't know. You just never, it's the Holy Ghost, anyway. Um. Trying to see where I could start. Verse 22, it says, you are come to Mount Zion. Amen. We're talking about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And, and the, the, this book of Hebrews does a thorough examination 
of all of the elements of both covenants so that you understand uh, that there is a big difference and the difference really is the blood. What, what each blood provided for uh, and, and uh, how the blood of the old covenant was a temporary covering uh, but the new covenant, uh, it, it, the blood of, of, of Jesus covering the mercy seat has done so much for us. It really has given us a new nature. Amen. We are new creatures, uh, born of his spirit. So, uh, the spirit, we, we are spiritual beings. We're not just flesh and blood. But we have a life-giving spirit on the inside of us as well, and so we are we are totally, totally different than the old covenant saints and those under that that old covenant. The blood of bulls and goats uh, was a temporary holding for for the nation of Israel and and the people that actually were converted too. They had many people. That converted, you know, we see examples like Ruth and, and she's just an example that stands out as somebody who looked and saw God and, and wanted to serve him and he's certainly not going to turn anybody away, you know? He includes everybody. So we see they have conversions even under the old covenant. And so, but, but the, the system that was set up then was really to teach them how much they needed a savior. So anybody who was under that old system could tell you, you know, this really ain't doing the job. It really isn't. And what is never designed to do a job to keep us sinless, to keep us walking into perfection, to keep us walking with God every day. They certainly didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They had access to God, but it was only through temporary means like the blood of bulls and goats. And then they had to renew that every year on the Day of Atonement. The whole nation was cleansed, but then there was cleansing in between. If you sinned during the the, the year, you had to bring an animal for sacrifice. You had sin offerings. You had uh, peace offerings. You had so many different offerings and sacrifices and then it, what it was made to do was exhaust those people and say, man, you mean, mean to tell me I still ain't up on my offerings now? You understand what I'm saying? And, and so that they would long for the Messiah. Oh, God, if we could just get a, a person here who could take away all of these offerings, who could give us something better, who could, we long for a better day. We long for simplicity of life. And so when he came, he came to his own. He came to the people that God had um, be, had always taught him to expect. He taught Israel to expect this person to come and rescue them from this tyranny of, of, of sin and offerings and sacrifices, all that kind of stuff. And, and so when Jesus came, the Bible says he came to his own, but his own received him not. They didn't even recognize that sin was their problem. After all that teaching, you know, you got to take a, a take one of your your dear uh, farm animals, you know, just because you did something wrong. Now you got to kill one of your farm animals. Suppose it was the the pet that the kids were raising. You had to take their pet 
and kill it and and you know all of that kind of stuff and and so uh, it's just not it wasn't it wasn't um a system that was supposed to work it was supposed to leave something missing something oh god this got to get better than this and then they began to say when the messiah comes you, you know, when messiah comes and they were looking for him but you know of course they made up their own what they were going to get out of it when Messiah comes. Amen. The disciples thought they were going to be somebody on the right hand. He was going to be a sitting king in an earthly kingdom. And somebody was going to sit on his right hand and somebody on his left. Amen. And so when when we think about that, there's all kinds of different, I guess, explanations and expectations that they had of Jesus. But they certainly didn't have in mind what he produced. Why? We know it's true because they all left him. They all deserted him when they saw he was going to be killed. Nobody read the fine print that he would be raised from the dead. Amen. Mary probably was the only one. She anointed him to his burial. and and But we're not sure about her either. But she did show up the third morning. We think maybe... They they say that the women didn't get a chance to finish embalming him on Friday, so they were going to come and finish the job on on Sunday, on the third day. Uh, but we believe that she did believe what he was saying, that he was going to die. Whether she really believed he was going to be raised up is another story, but but anyway, that, that truth was there. And so we see a, a, a Savior who is misunderstood, that that they don't understand the deep work that he's doing in the hearts and the minds of people. When we come to Christ, he he takes our sin away and he puts in us his spirit, his precious Holy Spirit. He entrusts to dwell on the inside of us. And that's the greatest gift that God could give to anybody is himself. Amen? What he says is, you living by yourself, that's no good anymore. I'm going to come and live inside of you to make sure you're okay, to make sure you live long, to make sure you get all the things that you need in life. I'm going to come and be with you 24-7, Emmanuel, God with us, living inside of us, being a constant companion, someone you can talk to 24-7. There's no such thing as loneliness when you live for God. Amen. When he dwells inside of you, you're not lonely anymore. You've got lots of company. And then if, if you talk to him and, and you find out you want human company, he'll arrange for that for you. He's not jealous of your friends. You know what I'm saying? That Well, to a point he is. But when he knows he comes first, then he can, he can arrange for you to have, have all the company that you need. So so we are come to Mount Zion, it says here in verse 22. Unto the city of the living God. To the heavenly Jerusalem. Not the the Jerusalem, you know, in, in, in Israel, but to a heavenly Jerusalem. A perfect place. That's where our citizenship is. It's in the perfection of heaven. We belong there. We dwell there. We live there. Amen? And to an innumerable, innumerable company of angels. Amen. So many we can't number them. 
if you ever think that you don't have enough help, my goodness, God's not, angels aren't scarce for him to send to help us. He's got plenty of them, amen, and and enough to do every job that needs to be done. He's got twice as many working for him as the devil does, amen. Satan can only take a could only take a third of the angels away from heaven with him, amen. And we're not sure they went voluntarily. The Bible says he drew them out of heaven with his tail, amen. So, so and because they were assigned to him, it appears that that uh, in heaven the three archangels had the all of the uh, angels divided up under their leadership. Lucifer had a third of them. Michael had a third. Gabriel had a third. And so that appears that Lucifer worked for Jesus. That's why Jesus had to come and rescue people. Amen. From his runaway employee. Amen. The council of heaven said, what are we going to do when, when he takes a third of the, the angels with him and comes down here and, and tries to kill man who's made in our image. She said, I'll go get him. I'll go and take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of my responsibility. Amen. And so he took care of his responsibility. A faithful creator does that. He doesn't leave any loose ends. He doesn't leave the devil down here to do what he wants to do to us. He put him in check real quick. Amen. Amen. And so we, we have an innumerable company of angels and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. So Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren and we are the firstborn after him. So the firstborn really means we are heirs. The inheritance was given to the, the firstborn for management, oversight, and distribution. So if you don't think in terms of management, oversight, and distribution, you're missing your the vision for how God wants you to manage what he's given you on this earth. Amen? Some people accumulate a lot, but they don't know how to distribute it the right way. You know, they wind up making a name for themselves off of God's property. Yeah, you know, I look at all these people who are best-selling authors, and they don't think twice about spending a large sum of money from the books that they've written. Well, if God didn't give you that revelation, I mean, I don't consider that their material. Just me, you know, I mean, whatever. For all that it's worth, my humble opinion, as they say. But everything belongs to God. I wouldn't think of spending anything without asking, God, where do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this? And it's not because of the amount. Once you get in the habit of, of obeying God, you just stay in the habit of obeying God. Money can get you into real trouble. You know? Faster than a lot of other things can. So you want to be careful about money, period. You know? So, so we are come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. So that's you, and that's me. Amen. We have joined that company that's always been there. The names that were written in heaven have always been written in heaven, and we're a part of that great company. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just made men made perfect, 
and to Jesus. So we got a lot going for us, folks. We have an innumerable company of angels. We have a, a holy heavenly estate that we live in and we dwell in. We live there now, folks, by the Holy Spirit. If you've got God's Spirit in you, you have heaven in you. Amen? You're not waiting to go to heaven. You've got heaven right in you. Amen? you got all that you need. And it can't be taken away from you. You know, sometimes we get a little stupid, a little crazy. We just want to do stuff and try this out, try that out, whatever. You know, uh, it's just amazing sometimes people get that they've had all this experience in God and, and experienced wonderful things in God, and they still have this carnality, this longing for something else that they're not supposed to have. I remember a minister that was doing real, real well. Uh, he had started ministering as a, a young boy and was writing books, history books for the church and talking about uh, great things that people of God had done in the past. And this was something that God opened up to him that nobody was doing. You know, he was a pioneer in this. And I remember him making a statement once when we went to hear him preach that uh, he he said, God, I'm sick of these church people. I want some sinner friends. And I thought, well, what a strange thing for somebody who loves God to say. And before you knew it, he was backslidden. And he was bragging on his some rich people that he met. You know, they would have invite him over and all that kind of stuff. See, when you get a taste in you for the other side, for the world, you're supposed to take that to God in prayer. You know, God did not open the door for him to meet no sinner friends. I don't care what you think. You know, you can say all the prayers you want to say out of your flesh. And if you think God answers those, you you got another thought coming. He, you went and done that on your own. In spite of God telling you, you was out of your little nutty mind, go sit down somewhere. And so, so we, we need to watch our, ourselves in that respect and respect the fact that heaven lives in you and lives in me. This is how God brings heaven down here on earth. And he releases it through our faith. Through the prayers of the saints, heaven is released. You know, we pray our prayer. God, let it be so on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that means you better start releasing heaven outside of you with your confession, your prayers. Uh, let your thoughts be more elevated, more heavenly. Good things for people always. Always wanting the best for I don't care who it is. And I don't care if they did you wrong. Who didn't you do wrong? Amen. You're not God. God's the only one who's offended when we break his law. You know, you need to go and and forgive somebody and learn how to live as a normal Christian citizen down here, a heavenly citizen. We just learning, we just learning how to get this thing right. Amen. And so God wants us to understand who we are. Amen. You belong to that innumerable company that's up in heaven. You belong there. That is your rightful place. You belong to that general assembly. You belong with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and David, and Ruth, amen, and Jesus, amen, the mediator of this new covenant. 
So we have an advocate. We have a go-between. We have somebody who can interpret the word for us. He can execute it for us. He can make sure that we understand what belongs to us and how to receive it. Uh, we need a mediator. You need somebody to explain this thing to you. Just like if you had a contract that you were getting ready to sign, something important that you had to do. If you don't understand parts of it, you go call a lawyer or go get on web, somebody webs, uh, web lawyer, lawyer on online lawyer or somebody so that you can get an understanding of what it is you're signing. Cause once you sign your name to it, you're stuck with it. Amen. And so we, we've already signed our name. We've already signed up for Jesus. Amen. And so we're, we're being taught that by that innumerable company, we're taught by the, the realm of the spirit. We're taught by the Holy Ghost. We're taught by Jesus. Amen. We're taught by reading his word and by ministers that, that God tells us to, to submit to and listen to them and let them speak into your life and, and do the right thing where they're concerned. And so we, we have that. Amen. And, and so we need to understand who we are, what we have and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling his blood that sprinkled on the real mercy seat. Now the mercy seat that, that, uh, that was in the temples, the different temples that the Jews erected down here on earth, those mercy seats were replicas of what we have now. He's given us the real thing. Amen? So the blood is sprinkled one time forever on the heavenly mercy seat. Amen? And Jesus did that. He entered in with his own blood. Amen? And forever lives to make intercession for us. And that blood speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen? Now, that blood, the blood of Jesus came to answer the blood of Abel. Blood has to speak for blood. Amen? The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no what? Remission of sins. So the sins of the whole world had to be remitted or sent away. Now, when they would would uh, kill a calf or a, a bull, and and uh, lay the priest would lay his hands on the head of that bull and would send it off into the wilderness, he would speak the sins of that nation into the head or the soul of that animal, and that animal was sent away into the wilderness, hopefully never to be seen again. But you know, sometimes if you're out walking around and you see this, <laughs> you might run on up on him. See, and so that's what what would ha- would happen in Israel. They would say, "Your sins are forgiven. We speak your sins. We send them away." And then they would watch and see that animal sent away into the wilderness, and everybody would stand there and say, "Yeah, but what about if one day I run?" <laughs> See, that's, that's the kind of covering they had. It was a temporary covering. So if they didn't see him all year until the next year, the Day of Atonement, they said, Phew, I guess that worked at least for a year. You know, here we are back doing it again because I have messed up so many times. I really need this cleansing. Amen? 
And we feel that way sometimes too now. Even though this blood speaks continually that we are forgiven, sometimes it takes us a long time to get that into us. There's so many believers that live in condemnation. Well, I don't see how God could forgive me. You know, you don't need to see how he could. You got to see how you can forgive you. You know, that's the challenge right there for most of us. Until we get we get that cleansing of our souls and we realize what a blessing it is to live cleansed, you will always be kind of trying to stumble over that part of the covenant. Until you experience it, you won't value it and then hold on to it. See, it's that way with spiritual things. Like you can tell people all day long what a blessing it is to be born again. But until they quit wondering how they're going to live if they can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that, they're not going to want it. They're going to want it, though, if you pray for God to make it real to them. And see, God, through his Holy Spirit, can follow those people with that word and keep that word will keep speaking to them over and over and over again. That's the power of eternity. That's the power of the blood. That's the power of the eternal spirit. Amen? Because whatever God does lasts forever and his word reverberates. Remember they would say, I call heaven and earth to record this day. When heaven and earth records your words, they keep talking. Somebody, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody about the Lord. And they'll tell you, well, nah, I don't want to do that. No, when I'm ready, when I'm ready, when I'm ready, your prayer under your breath should be, God, make them ready. Amen. And they'll go out somewhere and, and just look at the snow and they'll remember that word you told them. They'll go to a movie and try to enjoy the movie and they'll think about that word. That word speaks over and over and over again. Why? Because it's got eternal volume to it. The blood of Jesus makes it speak over and over and over again. Because there's life there. The life is in the blood. See, the, the word written down is just the written word. We can read it and forget about it after a while. But if you read this and the blood of Jesus starts to remind you that word has been spoken to you for you to hold on to it. Amen? It just is. The blood has the power to repeat over and over and over. It reverberates like an echo. Amen. They keep hearing it and keep hearing it. Keep hearing it. You know, I've heard people tell me sometimes, remember you said so-and-so to me? And I said, uh, don't remember. But if you tell me I did, I guess I did. You know what I'm saying? And they said, I still remember that. That word has spoken to me over and over and over again. Well, it wasn't because of me. You know, if I could work that kind of stuff, it's a lot of people I talk to about stuff. <laughs> but it's the spirit of the living God. God wants them to remember it. He, those words are important to him and, and they're important for them as well. And so we have come to that, that arena, that living place, that dwelling place, the general assembly and the church of the firstborn that are written in heaven. Amen. Your name is written in heaven. Heaven knew you before you knew you were born again. 
Before you knew God, heaven knew you were going to say yes to the Lord. Amen. And he says unto God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, God is the judge of all. God the Father is the judge of all. But he made his son Jesus Lord and King of all. So God the Father then confers with the Lord and King of all. So all decisions are made by them in a joint fashion. Amen. Jesus has great influence and great input. Why? Because he sits at the right hand of the Father. The right hand was always the place of counsel, wisdom, and strength. Amen. That's why his name shall be Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, because he sits at the right hand of majesty. He is a king. Amen. He is the king of all kings. And so he has great influence with the Father, great influence in heaven in all decisions that are made in heaven and in earth. Jesus has a preeminence. He, he has the first, first speak into things. Amen. Being the, the word of God and the will of God. And so Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So Abel's blood really cried out to God. The Bible says he, his blood cried out to the Lord for vengeance. He, when his brother, uh, killed him, when Cain killed him, God told Cain, he asked him, where was his brother? And he said, well, am I my brother's keeper? And God knew, he said, no, he said, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Amen. So then the ground holds a certain amount of evidence to life on the earth. When God cursed the ground, that meant that the ground had certain properties that were not going to be able to perform for man the way God initially wanted them to. So everything that God creates has life. The ground has life. Amen. That's why you plant seeds and you can plant seeds that look dead in dirt and, and cover it up and let moisture get on it. And pretty soon you got life coming out of there. So there's life in the plant and there's life in the ground. And the ground has a voice. The ground has a will. The ground can produce or not produce depending upon what God does and what man does. Amen. When, when Jesus cursed that fig tree, the tree itself quit producing, but the ground never quit producing. Amen. It withered up from the ground because it wasn't able to grab life from the ground anymore. Amen. So then the, the plants are dependent on the ground as a source of life. When Jesus talked about the ground being polluted with blood, that means that between because of wars, murders, and all of these things, bloodshed, the, the ground becomes polluted where it won't produce crops, it won't produce life, it won't produce anything because of man's sin. Amen? Um, the late Henry Groover would, with a prayer walker, God sent him around the world several times. He just, he said that his lifestyle got to be, uh, ten months away, walking the earth, redeeming the land. And I mean for real. I'm not talking about these 
people that drive around in cars and say they're doing something and it never, you never get evidence of it. But Henry, uh, was there was an island off the coast of Japan. One of the, the Japan is just a, a series of many, many islands. The ones we know about are the biggest ones, but there's little small ones connected with it. And there was an island, I don't know what, where it was connected to, but it was called uh, Haribo Island because Haribo is a, a, a species of snake. This, this, place was inhabited totally by snakes and so henry as he was as he walked and learned about these places he started to find out why there was a curse on this land because if snakes live there people certainly can't and so at one point it had been connected to the mainland by a bridge and the bridge was torn down and he saw evidence of the bridge having been there but when the snakes took over the island they tore the bridge down just so nobody could get over there you know snakes go where they want to go i guess but nobody could go over there and and and, uh was harmed because of it and henry ran into a man that did live there and he said the man uh said that his family had made him live there uh separated from him and he lived there by himself. And he says, I'm not afraid of these Haribu. I'll take you where you want to go. And Henry knew that there were some uh, temples there where people would come over periodically and worship their different gods. And so a lot of what he would do when he would do his prayer walking, if he would see a an altar that was erected to a pagan god, he would go and crush the altar, break the curse, and plead the blood of Jesus and, and remit sins as far back as need be so that, that life could come back to those places again. And uh, he said he, he took his son with him, I guess, this one time we went to the island, and they went on there, and this little man guide took him around, and Henry said that, that when the man would see him, you know, crush these altars, he said, Ooh, you got strong spirit in you. And Henry said, I have Holy Spirit. And the man said, Holy Spirit. And so he's kind of, after a while, Henry got to lead him to Henry said, would you like the Holy Spirit? Can I? He said, yeah. So he led him to the Lord. And, uh, yeah, and he received the Holy Ghost and, you know, because he admired how strong. Now, this man wasn't afraid of snakes because he had a way to protect himself from them in the natural. But he saw this Holy Spirit was something a lot more powerful than what he knew anything about. That's what he wanted. And so Henry said that, that he was able to clear all the altars off. The, the man showed him where all these altars were. And he stood on them, he crushed them, he cursed them, uh, and prayed over those areas, pled the blood of Jesus and remitted sins. And, you know, his thing is, he said, Christians have so much power and forgiveness and remission of sins that we don't use. And he said, the enemy keeps people bound with petty offenses, with, with selfishness, self-righteousness, where you think you're better than somebody. And if you forgive, you're weak and all this guy, you know, just a bunch of nonsense, he tells people. But he said forgiveness is so powerful if we would ever just tap into it. But he was able to do that. And he said after he left the island, 
he said he would he would go back to other places in Japan and you know just continued on his prayer walking and he said that someone asked him one time he said Henry have you have you been back to so and so island he said no i haven't and they said oh it's beautiful he said we re- rebuilt the bridge back over there and and life has started because at one time there was just wild vines and and very little vegetation over there. And he said they they've got gardens over there now. Some farmers have moved over there. They're starting to plant crops again. The ground is beginning to produce again. Why? Because the curse is broken through remission of sins of the people that did all that evil. Amen. And the people that were still doing evil over there. He was saying there were many places that he's visited where there are stories of, of their children being sacrificed to these gods. There were some of them places that people were buried alive because of, of certain gods that they felt told them to do this to people. You understand what I'm saying? So, so the earth has to be cleansed so that people can live. You know, just so people can live and we can, can have a way, uh, to, to, uh, to live. And so property is very important. It's important that God's people receive their property from God. It's, it's important that we have uh, a place that we can call home that belongs to us. Why? Because we have the power of redemption in us. See, we have the power to cleanse land. We have power to bless it. We have power to command it to produce without fertilizer, just with our words. Amen. And so we've got to recognize these things. And so when, when Abel's blood cried out to God from the earth, it, that blood was spilled on the earth. It was innocent blood that was spilled. And so, um, um, we, we, we see that God had to revenge that blood because that's what happens when, when there is a murder. That, that has to be paid for. That life has to be paid for. Amen. And so God then became the avenger of blood over Cain. Amen. And he sent Cain away and he put a mark on Cain's forehead because Cain said, if you send me away just as I am, they'll hunt me down and kill me. So his brother shed blood spoke to him that he had to give up his life for that. See, when people feel guilt, it's because blood is speaking to them. You understand me? It's not, it's not just, you know, you shouldn't say that to people because you make them feel guilty. You can't make anybody anything. You know, guilt comes from, it don't come from human beings. Guilt comes from the realm of the spirit, and it comes from breaking the law. Amen? So somewhere a law is broken, but we can get totally cleansed from responsibility for it because of the blood of Jesus. There have been people that have committed murders but got saved and know the power of the blood to forgive them. They don't even have a bill to guilt. And then there are people that, that have done less things and feel guilty all the time. Why? They don't, they don't go to God in confession and asking for mercy and thanking Him for mercy. You understand what I'm saying? So these are things that have to be done. You have to use your faith and your words and the Word of God to petition Him for the things that you need. 
You know, now they've been paid for by the covenant, but you've got to receive them by faith. You've got to, got to let God make this stuff real to you. And he makes it real to us in the realm of the spirit when we obey those spiritual laws. Amen. And so it speaks, the blood of Jesus speaks better, the blood of the new covenant that was sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen. And so God is, is, is yet proving to his people the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. We've all got to experience that so that we will know exactly what God has done for us. So there is no more vengeance being exacted. Amen. No more vengeance because the blood of, of Abel cried out for that. Amen. That was vengeance was, was given at, at Calvary because Jesus took the keys of death and hell. So that's vengeance right there. The devil doesn't own anything anymore. He doesn't own us. So God avenged himself of the devil's power over his people. He doesn't have that power anymore. So you can go slap the devil and tell him to give you your stuff back, leave you alone, get your hand, get his hands off your property, off your children, off your, your house, anything that belongs to you. You can break that curse off of, of, of his works in your life because the blood of Jesus paid for that and Jesus took the keys of death and hell. Amen. He gave us keys to the kingdom. Amen. Jesus still has the keys of death and hell. We don't have those keys, but we have keys to the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Now you gotta know which keys you got. Amen. You don't, you wouldn't know what to do with death and hell. You're trying to avoid that every day. But if you're in the kingdom, you have everything. You don't need keys to anything else. And Jesus said, I give you keys to the kingdom. He says, and I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. So if you have access to God's kingdom, that includes power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Amen. We need to start with blessing our food so we don't get sick off of what we eat. He said nothing. He said, if you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. I, re- I remember somebody that, that said they were at work one day and, and had a drink on their desk. And there was a lot of, of, um, I guess maybe competing at their job. There was, it was an uh, office type work, but it was a lot of employees. And, you know, they had a little system where you get promoted, you get this, you get that. And, and she was doing very well. And she said she, she was, Whatever this drink was on her desk, it was her drink. But she had gone away from her desk for a while and came back and took a sip of it. She said, and I immediately felt felt sick. She said, I knew somebody had put something in my drink. And she said she managed to get home and called her mother. Mother was a, a, a strong woman of prayer. She was Pentecostal woman. And uh, she was a strong woman of prayer. And she said her mother prayed for her, and and I don't know if she went to the hospital or not or felt she had to go, but she said by 
later on that evening, she felt well again. You understand what I'm saying? And she said the Lord told her who the person was that had put something in her drink and tried to poison her. See, you don't know who you're working around. And see, the devil can use anybody. People are just weak. They're, uh, you know, desperate, crazy, whatever you want to call it. And so she was able, though, to survive that. But the Bible says if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. You understand what I'm saying? So she was able to get prayer, and prayer pulled her out of it. God pulled her out of it through her mother's prayers. But we can't ever underestimate why these scriptures are in here. You know, you might look at it and say, ah, that don't affect me. I don't drink any poison. No, you just never know. Most people would say that, except you need to receive that. If you got an antidote for any kind of sickness, you need to embrace it. I don't know about you, but I know my body is subject to all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's flesh and blood, folks. It's limited in what it can do. And so we need supernatural help. And the fact that you belong to God and work for him, he's got supernatural protection for us. We're not just down here subject to whatever we we we're down here with benefits mark 16 17 and 18 is your benefits amen not just your assignment but your your benefit package to go how are you going to live to to win the world for christ if, if the devil can take you out the first drop of a hat amen so you probably have survived many attempts whether you know it or not in this business about fast food, I mean, it used to be a time you could control pretty much everything you ate. Now you don't. People just drive through the drive through at a whim. You understand? Well, you better pray before you go through there. Pray about the ones you go to and the ones you don't go to. Pray about the ones your grandkids go to and your children go to. Amen? God, lead them to the right ones. Don't let them get in there with these crazy people that want to put battery acid you know, in ketchup or something like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just lead my people away from this kind of stuff and allow God's protection to work. You know, use some wisdom. Man, don't get comfortable with with just one, one situation. <laughs> I keep these little apps on my phone every time they go off and it's free french fries. You know, I'm, and I'm supposed to be like low carb, right? Uh, for the most part. But anyway, the free fries is a real temptation. But I don't get them every time that thing pops up. I just get them. I say, God, you know what? I don't need no fries today. I'm going to stick with what I, you understand what I'm, I'm doing? Cause see, the devil can train you real easily. And I like a free whatever. You know, I seldom pass up anything that's free just on principle. But you know, you, you have to, don't don't be a creature of habit in in certain things you know where it could be an open door for the enemy to to come in and and uh, do something that that would be harmful to you and and you know once you bless something and eat it don't give it another thought amen just say it's sanctified now and it's all good and i'm on my way amen cuz the enemy will do all kinds of things you know give have you to think twice about it or wonder you know, maybe it's something I ate. No, it ain't nothing I ate because that's gone now. Amen. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It ain't never nothing I ate because it's taken care of. 
I blessed it, killed the germs on it, and it's on its way out the other way, you know, so we, <laughs> we ain't gonna be worried about nothing in a minute. Amen? You gotta live like that. You can't live with a lot of fears and misgivings about stuff. Amen? Once God speaks on it, you gotta consider His word the final say on certain things. Amen? And so, so this is how we live as believers, folks. We don't live in, in fear because he, the devil would take us out in a heartbeat if he could. We have so much protection in so many different ways. The Bible says he gives his angels charge over us. Hold us up. They don't even want us to stumble over a stone. Amen. They'll walk you around it or kick it out of your way so that you don't even stumble. Amen. Doesn't even want, he doesn't want your way impeded for anything. And so that's, that's the kind of God that we serve. So when you're, when you are come to the church of the firstborn of those whose names are written in heaven, that's your benefit package. You know, you live just like they live. You may be down here on earth physically, but heaven is your home. If you make it your home, you make it your place of residence, heaven will be your home. Amen. You don't have to worry about, <coughs> about anything. So the blood though, it, it's, it, it, the, because judgment was paid at Calvary. Amen. Uh, the keys of death and hell and, and, and Jesus stripped, spoiled principalities and powers. In other words, he took all power away from Satan. Every time you see him acting up as a child of God, you have authority to put a stop to it. Amen. He acts up because nobody's stopping him. Amen. So it's our job to stop him. Jesus has already given us everything we need. See, people say stuff, well, God won't do anything more about your health than he already has. And that's true. But he's also not going to do anything more about the devil harassing you than he has. You're going to have to make him stop. And quit whining. And quit going around talking about the church needs to do this. And you don't know what the church. Are you the head of the church? These people kill me speaking for God. You know, and God is so, so encouraged for us. He's not running around wringing his hands and I wish they would pray more. I wish they would do this more. I could get something done. Are you kidding me? He's never been limited to what we do. In fact, he's so in charge of what we do. There are many people who would like to do more, but they know that they're being restrained because their time is not yet. So go do what you can do. Go talk to your neighbor about me. Go do this. Go do that. You you take care of that. You know, everybody's waiting on some big thing, a big revival, a big move. The move of God starts with these little ripples that we make when we go to talk to somebody about him. Amen? Then it grows into more. You got to use what you got already before you'll see more. Now, I believe like everybody else that we are moving toward a greater outpouring of God's spirit. But what are we doing with, with what we have now? See, before that can grow into something greater, we got to walk in what we got now. You're not sitting up waiting on any great anything. That great thing is is starting small and it's starting in you. So get up and use what you have, at least in prayer in your confession, expect God to send people to you that don't know him 
so that you could share your testimony or share whatever God says to share. Sometimes you start with sharing a smile. You know how important that is to people that you smile and that you encourage them and that you, you, uh, bless them in some way. It's very important. So, so God wants us to, to start with those things. Start with what's at, at, at hand for you to give and always pray for the will of God. Pray for more. He wants to do more and he wants us to pray for it and expect it to come to pass. Amen. So, so the vengeance was satisfied at Calvary. God's gotten even with the devil, folks. You're not waiting on him to get even with nobody for hurting your feelings. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's waiting on you to, to obey him and forgive people. And don't be sitting around waiting for him to do something to somebody because you might be the one getting something. Uh-huh. What does the scripture say? Don't don't rejoice when you see the wicked getting their due because God will stop. You know, your parents had that much sense if if we didn't we didn't grin at each other when when uh um you know if, if my older sister if Deweese was getting a whooping, I had sense enough not to grin at her because I know that belt flipped over on my side. You know, your mother didn't do that stuff. You go, oh, you go, you was funny to you. You want some? And then you was next. Girl, please. And if your parents got that much sense, God's got more sense. Yeah, cause we're not supposed to rejoice in iniquity. We're supposed to rejoice when right and truth prevail. When somebody gets saved, you rejoice. When they get a bill paid, you rejoice. When they, when they come out of bondage to something, you rejoice. You rejoice when you see bad coming on people, cause it's gonna come anyway. Some people are just gonna live in that kind of realm where they just don't have, you know, much mercy of God, cause they're not merciful people. Amen? You want mercy, you gotta give it out. And so God's, God's looking for us to, to lead the way in that, to be merciful people. So he got vengeance at Calvary. That's all the vengeance God needed. He's satisfied that the blood of Abel has been spoken for. Amen. It's, it's, that's been redeemed. <clears throat> God, we don't cry out for justice. Amen. Why? Because Jesus, the cross, Made God satisfied. He's the only one that we've sinned against. So justice was meted out at the cross because God received the sacrifice of his son as just payment for all sin for all time. So the cross brought justice and it also brought vengeance. And it's been done with. So we don't cry out for that anymore. We don't cry out for that anymore. What do we do? We plead mercy. Amen. We plead for what we need. You don't need God to come for you and and make you pay for everything wrong you've done. Amen. So what you offer out of your mouth comes back to you. You want to ask God for mercy. God save them. God show them their, their wickedness. Show them. Give them a chance to repent, Lord. Help them to live right. Amen. Help them to do this, that, and the other. Amen. And so when we we, we, and then we ask for his will to be done. Where you see people doing wrong, I don't care where they are. If it's, if it's in the workplace, if it's in whatever it is, 
God, let your will be done. Your word says, amen, so and so and such and such. And you start addressing the devil. He's the one that's behind it all. You get cheated on your paycheck. Uh-uh, devil, you giving me back sevenfold. Amen? Now you go to your boss and tell him there's been a mistake made on your paycheck, but you're not going to stand up there and want to boss him around and cuss him out and act stupid about something God's already taken care of. He's taking care of our repayment. Amen? He's done it already. So all you got to do is expect God to give you restitution. He's restoring things that have been stolen. Our whole life is a story of restoration. Amen? We are the pearl of great price. That when when the, the, the man collected it and, and saw it, he valued it, and he hid it in the earth. That's us. We're hidden in the earth. We're, uh, we're in the earth world, but not of it. Amen. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. That's because we're just flesh and blood like everybody else. That makes us able to be able to speak to people about Jesus. The fact that you're just like, never lose sight of the fact that you're just like any other human being. You've just had mercy extended to you. There are no bad people. There are no good people. There are no worthless people. Uh, sir, you know, you know, uh, God's got something better for you. What? Another human being that's weak and frail, just like the last one that was in your life? People need to wake up, you know? Good gravy. That experience was bad because you didn't pray. Uh Huh? You could be married to the worst of worst. You pray and God will change those people. See, we don't want to do that. We're too busy being mad all the time. See, you don't understand. Yes, I do. I understand all too well. And I don't have to give you any details. You'll need to know my business to take care of yours. Go to the Bible like I did. Amen. That's where I found all my help. <laughs> Amen. You get in there and start doing what the word tells you to do, you'll be all right. And that person you're praying for will be all right too. <laughs> you need to try it. See, you know, people like that, they haven't even begun to try God. It's okay getting a job. Getting a job, you can pray for you a good job. You think you know everything. So then you come into something you know nothing about. Now you're ready to flip out. Huh? Well, God, how come you didn't stop me? How come you, uh uh-uh. You wouldn't go stop. God himself couldn't stop you. He knew that when you were stepping out in faith. What happened to your faith all of a sudden? Huh? <laughs> you just getting ready to learn. Well, your Bible is going to be your best friend yet. All, all up until now, you've been living off a few pet scriptures. Now you're going to read from cover to cover. <laughs> 
and wish you had more from the cover. When you get to the end of the cover, you wish you had some more. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So, so we know that vengeance is God's has been taken care of. He's satisfied. The cross satisfied him. And it ought to be satisfactory for you. Because the cross will take care of all your little needs too. You always think what you're going through is so difficult. Try it without God. You need to be thankful he's in your life. Now you need to trust him more. Let him get loose and work on your situation a little bit more. So God is in charge of vengeance. He said, "Mm -mm, I'll repay. Amen. Don't touch it. And justice. Because we can't get justice out of anything. Look at the people in our court systems that get railroaded. You see people every day, Innocence Project, where they finally start analyzing DNA. And then people wonder why some of the samples that they've taken 20 and 30 years ago are still preserved. God did that. It's God's work. Some of them are shocked. They say, well, you know, we're finding out more about DNA. And as we find out, we find out that that it's preserved for many, many decades on certain samples. Or they'll they'll exhume a body and find out that body is pretty much intact. They said, we never expected to be in this good a condition. How do you think it, don't you know the God of heaven and earth and all things is preserving evidence for us? So that we can get questions answered. We can get uh, his level of justice in certain things. Many of those people that get exonerated, they don't have a, a angry bone in their bodies anymore. They don't have a bad temper anymore. They don't have none of that stuff that brought them to the attention of the legal world. Just don't have it. Why? God's satisfied now. Amen? He's satisfied. He's changed them. And now he's allowing them them to receive of his justice now in their lives. So so it's a good thing. Amen? So, so when we go to God, mercy answers every need. Mercy answers every need. You don't go to God telling him that, yeah, I want justice, I want this. No, you want mercy. Because mercy will satisfy every need. Amen? Mercy is is God's, where he would be. <laughs> where he would be, because he has the power to levy judgment and penalty, it's lifted. So mercy means penalty is lifted. Amen. And, and it's lifted eternally. So there's no more penalty. You know what people go through when they say, God's dealing with me. They're just living apart from God and don't understand what's going on. You understand what I'm saying? They go through a hard time. They think God's in charge of it. Amen. No, he's trying to get in charge of it so he can give you mercy. He wants to lift the evil burden off of us. Amen? He wants the light burden and the easy yoke. He wants us to live pain-free. He wants us to live burden-free. He wants us to live free of all fear and doubt and concern about things. 
He wants us to live in agreement. He wants us to live in the heaven that's on the inside of us. Amen. He wants to bring it on the outside so we can enjoy it. Amen. And so God wants us to live that way. Amen. So God's uh, uh, judgment within his family, those who are in covenant with him, if if we say that that God judges all things, and he does, but if if he does, he chastens us, the Bible says, disciplines. He allows us to walk in obedience to him instead of walking every which way we want to. That's as strong as it gets. It's never uh, uh, to penalize us. We got to get that out of our heads. When you're going through trouble or, or trouble comes to you, you cry out for mercy because that's what you need. Amen. You you can't you can't just go to God. What did I do now? And how did I get this? And uh uh-uh. uh. You you start thanking God for the blood of Jesus. Lord, His blood speaks better things, and it speaks mercy on our my behalf. Father, send Your mercy to me. Amen. Send me send me a remedy. Amen. And so. It, when he judges your behavior, your heart, any of that kind of stuff, and he does because the Holy Spirit will show you if there's something in your heart that's separating you from God. He'll show you. It's it's to remedy. It's always remedial. It's never punitive. He doesn't show you your sin to punish you. Good gravy. He shows you your sin so we can get close to you again. It's separating you from him. He's not pleased with the distance that it's created. So he wants to get it out of the way so he can have fellowship with you again, like he's always had. He wants that continual fellowship. So it's to remedy something. It's never to penalize us. It's never to punish us. It's always remedial. Because if he can send you a remedy then you can grow and grow closer to him. See, he can have fellowship with you again. And he, you, you don't have to sit on the sidelines waiting for, for him to make up his mind to let you back in. My goodness, that's the, the farthest thing from God's mind. You're already in. He wants you to stay in. Why'd you leave? Amen? Come on back. You belong here. You don't belong over there. You belong, you belong close to me. Amen? Uh, that's that's what it's all about. Amen? We used to, I remember my husband and I, we used to have outings that we would go to at times. So, you know, we'd go out company things, this and that. And, and we would just go and, you know, if I saw somebody I knew, it was not a lot of people because they were his co-workers, or he would drift off and go say hi to some people. We didn't cling together all the time. But before the night was out, He'd find where I was and I'd find where he was. Amen? It's just a habit that you have when you have relationship with somebody or you're one flesh with them. Amen? You seek to be reunited with that person. Amen? It's not like, well, uh, you know, I'll meet you at the door at so-and-so. Now, you might meet me up way before then. You know what I'm saying? It just depends on how you feel led in these things. And so that's the way God loves us. He wants a, with a perfect love. Amen. He's not going to let you get so far away from him. You start feeling the good life like you can live without him again. He, uh-uh. No, he don't play that. 
You're not going to get that far from him. Why? Because he knows what it cost him to bring you near. Cost him too much to bring you near. For him to treat it like a little frivolous thing. No, uh uh-uh. He treats it like a precious thing. Like draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. How do we draw nigh to God? We realize we're too far away from him. You got to realize you'll feel that that dryness on the inside of you. You'll feel that this this um an uneasiness. Like there's something I need. God, what is it I need? God, 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 it's him. Just draw close to him. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him thank you. Tell him begin to worship him. Draw nigh to him through worship. Draw nigh to him through praise. Just make him your thought all day long. Amen. The Bible says you kept in perfect peace if your mind stayed on him. God, what is it next that you have for me? I know you're working on something. Tell me. You can tell me. I ain't going to tell nobody. You understand what I'm saying? Just, just, just stay in there in conversation with him. Stay in there in fellowship because that's what the blood paid for. It paid for you to stay close to him, never separate from him, never feel outside of him. People who get caught up in feeling worthless and feeling and listening to the lies of the devil. You know, you see people on Facebook all day long talking about, oh, I love myself and, and God's, and they always post and stuff and expecting people to say nice things to them. I mean, come on now. How desperate? You're blood bought. How desperate can you be for a human pat on the head? And see, once the God, the devil gets you trained to that, you'll have a hard time breaking yourself off of that habit. Cause you've already overridden what the blood can do for you. And acting like it's not important anymore. Go get in your Bible. And, and read it and start, stop being like the man in the mirror when he closes it, he forgets what he looks like. Start meditating on that word and take that word with you everywhere. Jesus, I thank you that you have cleansed me and I am your, your blood, your blood child. I thank you, Father. You're my heavenly Father and I'm your child. I'm going to go through my day to day imitating you. I'm not going to look for something to complain about. I'm not going to keep blowing my own horn. I'm not going to keep telling people I'm important. Treat me like I'm important. You need to grow up. Quit playing around with the devil. Because, see, he'll pull that out from under you, too. Amen? Our problem is we get too high-minded over too little. Got me? When you can cast out devils and you can lay hands on the sick and they recover every single one of them, then you got something to think, hmm, maybe I've accomplished something. But it still ain't you, it's God. You got me? He just used you. So put yourself in line to be used again. Quit pulling yourself out of the security of God and, and trying to blow your own horn. Which you don't even have one. You know, we think we playing a trumpet and we got one of them little, you know, the little, uh, uh, New Year's Eve blower things. That's a bigger horn as we really got. For our own accomplishments. Let's start being humble people the way God created us and loving Jesus the way he loves us. Love humanity. Quit trying to live off people. You understand what I'm saying? Leave that stuff alone. It's no good. So, but God has 
much, much, much better. His blood speaks better things. It speaks that you're holy, your righteousness. That's a big price was paid for you. Stop living off the cheap stuff. Start living off what God has for you. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your blood covenant. That blood speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood wanted only vengeance, but your blood speaks mercy. Vengeance belongs to God. He's taking care of that. Justice belongs to him. He's taking care of that too. Now he's left us with mercy, which is huge. That we can distribute mercy everywhere that we go. And we love you for that, Father. We love you that as we receive your mercy, we spread it around. And we will obtain mercy as we give it out. And that's what we need. We don't need to be penalized for anything. We don't need to live in fear. But we need to live in expectation of good because of your great, great mercy that you have shown toward us. So we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, we'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona. And she don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. Thank you, Jesus. By your stripes. We are healed. Amen and amen, amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.